0: Hey, everyone. This is our midweek leadership podcast. We believe that as you listen to it, it is going to move your life forward. So get ready for an amazing message. All right. um, Yeah. So just want to say, hey, thank you guys so much for making it a priority to be here. Um, These moments are not normal. And I think it's just so healthy for us to remember that um, when you make an intentional space for things like this, Um, there's an intentional change that you're opening your heart up to over and over and over again. And I would say um, exactly what uh, Pastor Lacey and Pastor Courtney were just saying, too. It's not just for you and I. These are for the people you're going to come in contact with. And so as we go about the rest of this morning, just have that perspective and just remember that what you're taking in today, what I'm taking in today, what we're creating space for in our hearts isn't just for us and our family. It's for the people we're going to see. It's for the people we don't know yet. It's for a city that's broken and hurting and needs to see someone else um, rooted and anchored in hope and joy that actually has eternal lasting value, not just for a moment Okay, I think our world knows how to find joy and hope for a moment. I think what's missing is people don't understand when you connect it to something bigger than yourself, when you give your life to God, it's something that actually cannot be taken from you. And it doesn't mean that you're happy all the time. It just means that my hope and my joy aren't anchored in something that I see right in front of my face. And so um, that's just a little side note as we do these things. In my opinion, that's what we're making space for is we're saying, okay, Lord, like, I want you to have every bit of me, and there's something you need me to get in this moment, and I want that. I want that, not just for my own life, but for someone else. Um, And shout out, Mateo, we love you. Okay, so something I was reading uh, yesterday and a story that's inspired me before, but I read it again, and I just thought, wow, so inspiring, is Nehemiah. Uh, So we're going to read a little bit of Nehemiah today. Yeah, Nehemiah is going to be good. But before we do, really quick, I want you to tell me, just shout it out, the thing that comes to your mind when you hear this phrase. Don't think about it for five minutes. Okay. Just the immediate, yeah, just the immediate, like what comes to mind when you hear the word teamwork? You. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. Working together, friends. What would you say? Assembling. Fruit? Yeah. Food? Food. I yes. Said, oh, Yes. Go, girl. Go, girl. I like it. I like it. Any other words? Teamwork. What does it make you feel? Sports. Awesome. Avengers. Avengers. People. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. turtles. Dylan, that's your next sermon title. Okay. That's your next sermon title, so write it up, and uh, we'll have you preach next Sunday. I'm kidding. Uh, But really. Okay, great. Those are all, there's no wrong answer there. I'm just curious because I, um, I think in different seasons of life, maybe when we hear that, it brings up different things. And we all have a different framework because we all have different experiences that shape what we think and what we feel when we think about a team. Um, if you've played on teams, I'm sure you played on teams that were good. I'm sure you played on teams that maybe didn't win any games. Um, if you never played on a team, maybe you were a part of a group, you know, and I, I would say that is also a team. Um, whether it was a club or an organization or maybe you were in the arts, so you are in a play, I feel like that's a team. Dylan, would you agree? You totally agree. Yeah, you gotta, it's a te- it requires teamwork no matter what you're doing. So based on our experiences, that has different feelings for all of us. Um, yeah, so Nehemiah, when I was reading it, it just reminded me how important a team is. Um, and so a little background on Nehemiah, the Carissa version. Uh, Nehemiah was uh, a king's cupbearer, which was exciting for him, I'm sure. Um, so he heard, he kind of, like, so Nehemiah chapter 1, he kind of hears that, like, back where his ancestors are from, terrible things happened. Like, the walls of their city were destroyed. Um, and they were, like, burst, they were just in fire, and it was just bad news. And so he had heard about this, um, where he was living, and was just super upset, and just started praying to God. Um, and and ask God. I mean, if you read Nehemiah chapter one, I highly recommend just read it in your own time. Um, But he just has this beautiful prayer where he's just asking the God of heaven, the great awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love um, to listen to his prayer. And he just prays and prays and he asks for an opportunity um, to have favor with the king he's serving so that he can maybe do something about this problem, right? And so uh, if you go into chapter two, um, I'll read a little bit here. I think this is verse 2. Um, he's serving the king. Um, he's the cupbearer, so I think he's bringing him a cup, which is awesome. Um, so he, he obviously, like, was probably pretty heavy that day, right? And the king uh, could tell. And so I thought this was interesting, too, that the king was paying attention enough or cared enough to even ask his cupbearer. But the king um, asked him, you know, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick, so something must be deeply troubling you. And so uh, Nehemiah said, then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? The city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked, how can I help you? And uh, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleased the king and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Okay, so the first thing that inspired me when I read this was um, he heard that his city was like in bad shape. He didn't ask if he could go, like, check on his relatives. He didn't ask if he could just go see what's up. He asked, can I go rebuild my city? And I was reading that, and I read it again, and I was like, what a big question to ask. You know, what kind of vision that must have taken? He didn't ask, like, can I go make sure the people I know are alive? Can I go rebuild my city? I'm thinking about our city, and I'm thinking about... Uh, what's going on in our world right now. And I'm wondering if maybe sometimes we overlook who we're called to be as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I think it's pretty powerful just to think about for a minute. Um, We are called to rebuild the city. And I I don't know that you you can't look outside and see that there's walls that are broken down and on fire right now. But I think the brokenness we're we're up against is is um, I mean a lot of it we can see it's out front right now we can see it. But I think there's a lot of brokenness that's covered up. But we are called to rebuild the city. Still we're called to rebuild the city. Um, So yeah that's that's just crazy. Um, And so the king with the queen sitting beside him um, asked, "How long are you going to be gone? When will you return?" And so Nehemiah told him his request, like, he'll be gone for this long, um, and the king agreed to help him. And he also asked the king, if it pleased the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province, um, instructing them to let me travel safely through. Uh, also, he asked for another letter, who manages the king's forest, to allow him to get timber so he could rebuild the walls. So I was reading this, and I was like, dang, Nehemiah had his stuff together. You know, like he didn't just say, hey, can I go rebuild my city? He was like, and also can I have a letter? And also can I have another letter because I need wood from the forest that you own. Um, And so the king granted him all of his requests, um, which is incredible. And uh, Nehemiah went on his way. So then we'll fast forward. Chapter 3, I'm not going to read it, but um, chapter 3 is just wild. Um, Yeah, so they start rebuilding the wall. I'm going to fast forward. Chapter 3 is a list of the lineup of the team, which blows my mind. The entire chapter walks you through the team. I'll just read a couple. Um, I can't read all the names because I can't. They're just ridiculous. Um, Then the high priest and the other priest started to rebuild the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up the doors, building the wall as far as the tower of 100. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zikur, son of Emri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hesanah. They laid the beams, set up doors, installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hekaz, repaired the next section of the wall. Beside him were Mashalam, son of something, grandson of the whole chapter. Lists. Who was doing what where. And I'm thinking about that kind of a team, and that's insane. Right, Like people from everywhere were just repairing the places outside of their house and, you know, just taking sections of the wall. And this whole team formed and they started rebuilding the entire city. And so I'm thinking about teamwork. um, And I just, I wonder sometimes, if you're anything like me, there are moments that sometimes I think, like, this would probably get done faster if I just did it myself. Or sometimes I think it might not get done faster, but it might be safer, And as they started to rebuild this wall, um, they had opposition. And they started to hear about this opposition. This guy, a a person, I think it's a person, Courtney would know, Sanballat. Yeah, Sanballat was angry. Um, He was very angry. Chapter 4, verse 1. When he learned that we were rebuilding the wall, he flew into a rage, mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Um, And so these people started to um, threaten them. And say, like, essentially we're going we're gonna to try and attack them and stop them from doing this. Um, Nehemiah just kept praying. And he's like, God's on our side. He's going to help us do this. Um, and so uh, move forward a little bit. Verse 6, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. Um, and people had worked with enthusiasm, which is insane. Um, and then Sanballat, again, the angry guy, and Tobiah um, they heard the work was going ahead and the gaps in the wall were being repaired and they got furious and they made plans to come and fight um, fight against them and stop them from doing it. Um, and they had Jews who lived near the enemies who came and told them, like, hey, they're going to come from all directions and they're going to attack us for doing this. Uh, and verse 15, when our enemies... Heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the wall of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and the other hand holding a weapon. All the builders had had swords belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. And that picture is just mind-blowing. Um, I'm thinking about in, the, in those verses, verses 15 through 17 of chapter 4. Um, this is purpose in action. You know, like I think, like they put their hands to this job, but they had purpose attached to it. And so the threat of an attack wasn't gonna slow them down, right? They just made plans to keep their eyes on the prize and to protect themselves while they did what they were called to do. And so I'm thinking about that, and I think about, talk about, like, talk about having your teams back. They were structured in such a way that they had, like, people who were building the wall, working with one hand and a a weapon in the other to try and keep people from attacking them or killing them or catching them off guard. And I'm thinking about the bravery. I'm thinking about the courage. I'm thinking about um, the unity in that team. And I'm thinking about it probably took them longer. And so I'm thinking about those times when, if you're like me, I'm thinking, like, okay, it's going to go better. It will just be better if I do it by myself. And I don't know if Nehemiah was thinking this. I don't have a personal relationship with him. But imagine that, like, if he knew this is going to be tricky, someone could come and try to fight us, wouldn't you think that part of him would be thinking, maybe I should just try and do this myself or have as little people involved as possible because then we can keep it quiet longer. The more people you get involved, the word's going to spread, and then we're going to find trouble. But that's not the approach he took. An entire city basically came out to rebuild the walls of their city. And nothing was going to stop them from doing that. And so, yeah, it might have taken longer. But think about the alternative, right? The alternative would be worse. Because you might not make it out alive. And so I'm thinking about those moments in life when um, you're leading people or as a leader or as just a human being. There are moments and seasons when you think, like, I'm just going to keep this to myself. I'm going to keep this issue to myself. I'm going to keep that fight, that argument to myself. I'm going to keep this habit that I have to myself. I'm going to keep this piece of my life separate from this piece of my life because this is still fun, but this is like who people know me as. We, we try and put these things in boxes and keep these pieces of our lives private. And I think we would all agree that that causes more harm than good. We're thinking we're protecting those two things. We think that we can keep moving on. I think what we're not seeing there is the problem because you're leaving yourself open to attack wow, wow. and I think this is the beauty when we're talking about teamwork I'm not just talking about literally you put on the same jersey and you're on a team I'm talking about community and people in your life and having people in your world and having people who know what you're after I'm thinking about Nehemiah's opportunity there and he says I'm going to go rebuild the city without that team it's impossible without that team I'm thinking about Randall and I and the kind of marriage we want to have. We know that we've got vision for our marriage. We want a marriage that doesn't just um, impact our family and, and, you know, we're going to lead our home in the direction of everything God calls us to do so that our daughters and our future babies will see that. But we also want a marriage that communicates to the world around us what we're about and who we're about and inspires other people to know that they can have the same. Now, we cannot do that on our own. We need people in our life that help us stay on that mission, that help us move in the direction we're called to be as a married couple. Yeah. But I think that's counterintuitive to the world because so often the world tells us, like, no, that's private. That's your business. Yeah. And I'm not saying everybody always needs to know every, all your stuff, okay? <laughs> like, I'm not saying that. But I'm talking, like, what, are you, what is your dream? What are you hoping for? What kind of life do you want to live? If you haven't thought about those things, I would highly encourage you to do that and write it down and make a plan. And invite someone else into that space that you trust and that can be on your team and help you get after what you want. I think there's a a Bible verse, is it Paul, that talks about, like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I keep doing the wrong thing, even though I know what I want to do. And that's just human nature. And I'm not exempt from that. There's moments that I can go back in my life where I always knew, like, once God changed my life and saved me, I knew who I wanted to be. But it still didn't save me from making poor choices sometimes. But it was the people in my life that helped me get back on track, dust my shoulders off, and get after who God was calling me to be. Because that calling did not change. Who God has called me to be has not changed. And there were moments in my life where I felt so ashamed or guilty that I needed to stay on the sidelines for a really long time. But that's, that's backwards. We just need you to get up, get back on track, get in the fight, get some people around you, and keep going. You don't have to sit in a corner and apologize about it 800 times. You just need accountability in your life. You need to get back on track, and you need to go. And you just need to keep moving, and you need to keep trucking away. And so when I'm talking about teamwork, I'm talking about community. Nehemiah could not have rebuilt the city on his own. And I'm thinking about vision for our life, vision for our team, and the vision our pastors have led our church in the direction of. They've heard from heaven. They've given us a word. We're on mission to make every story matter. And, I, and as we serve in whatever capacity, whether you're serving on a team or you're leading a team or you're on the worship team or the kids team or the security team or our cameras team or name a team in our church, we're all on the same mission. And I think beyond that, I'm wondering if there's an awakening that needs to happen in all of us to realize you are the one. You're the one. You're playing a part in rebuilding our city. You're playing a part in letting someone know that their story matters. You're playing a part, just like Pastor Courtney was sharing in that story. What she was sharing blew this person's mind so much that she was like, no one else knows this. Well, this is normal maybe to you and I, but it's not normal to everyone else. And so how many times have you stopped yourself in a conversation from speaking up and saying something because you thought they probably heard it before? How many times have you been in a moment where you know like, hey, this is a little off or like, I don't know if I should say anything right now because I don't want the vibe to get weird. I think we need to get over the vibe check. Okay? And just remember that when the Holy Spirit calls you to something, you can speak up with truth and love. And it's not aggressive. It's not bossy. It's not mean. It's not rude. I, for one, am thankful for the times that I've had friends who have done that for me. As leaders, this is what Pastor Ben told Randall and I a long time ago when we were, how old were we when we started leading the worship team? 20? 19? 20, 20, okay, and this was how many years ago now, four, five, how long have you been a worship pastor, Uh, almost three, almost three three years, okay, so three years ago, plus two years when we first started, so five years ago, we were the worship pastors, 23, okay, 23 years old, leading the worship team, and at that time in our church, most of the people on our team were in their mid-40s, if not older. And so Pastor Ben set Randall and I down, and he was talking to us, and he was saying, hey, as we lead, we lead with humility. We lead with teachability. We, we, we don't know everything, and think we still don't know everything. And I, don't know, I hope I never get to the place where I think I do, because we don't. But one of the things he gave us, he was like, but I still want you to understand and remember that as a leader, you are called to lead. It is always your responsibility to lead. In any moment, in any environment, you are called to be the leader. Um, and I think that was really helpful for helpful for us as we started to build relationships with our teammates, because there are moments that you're looking at these giants around you, and you're thinking, are, "Am I sure the one, am I the one that's supposed to lead in this moment?" Yes. Yeah. And so when you're out at dinner with your friends, are, is it really is this the moment for you to lead? Yes. Yeah, when you're out and you're you know celebrating someone's birthday, and it's a weird, is it really the moment for you to lead? Yes. It absolutely is. When you're having fun and you're serving on a serve team and someone comes up and they look a little lost because they're new to our church, is it really your job to lead because one of the pastors might be around? Yes. It's your job to lead. It's your job to fill that gap. You are called and trusted and anointed and, and it is your moment. And so just want to encourage all of us, myself included, don't overlook the moments. When that stirring is happening in your heart, step in with confidence. Step in. With the Holy Spirit going before you. I love it if you read through Nehemiah, there's moments when, when Nehemiah was getting those words like, hey, they're going to come and attack you. Or when he, right before he talked to the king and asked for permission to go, Nehemiah always had a prayer. He always prayed like, God help me, God help me. And I'm thinking about um, these moments for us as we lead and as we serve our city and as we serve the people who call this church home. And as people walk in and are going to experience something they've never felt before, our encouragement is through the roof, you guys. It's not normal for people when they walk through the doors to, to be loved in this way. It's not. And most of the time we hear that people say what? Anybody? They think it's fake. Yeah. Most of the time people walk in and are like, can this be for real? Uh, that was me eight years ago when I came here. Um, not because I wanted to, like, assume it wasn't wrong. I had just never experienced this kind of authenticity before. I had never experienced, you know, that kind of love before in a church family. And so as we serve and people walk in, um, we're going to meet them right there. But we're not going to apologize for who God has called us to be. Because we need that person to come alongside of you and I and now be another person who's on mission reaching people that you and I could never reach. Because they have different connections and different pieces of the city that you and I might never have. And so, uh, and I think that's what was great about, like, the team that Nehemiah assembled to build the wall. I'm not even sure how much of that was his assembling, but just inspiration. You know, they started building the wall, and a lot of people just started coming. And if if you're reading that lineup, like, they're starting 600 people. Um, A lot of it was like, so-and-so was building and fixing the section in front of their house. All of us live in a different part of the city. All of us have different neighbors. All of us know different people that we used to come in contact with forever ago. And so I'm wondering what would happen if we stepped into those pieces of our city and started inviting our neighbors to church and started talking to the people that randomly reach out to us on social media and saying, hey, you should totally come to New Heart Church on Sunday. We'd love to see you. Come and sit with me. Or if you're on a serve team, make plans for them to sit with someone else that you know. There are so many people in this church who would love to make that happen. The cool thing is if you read through this, I think they rebuilt that wall in 52 days. The wall of their city yes. in 52 days. Um, and that's a lot to get done in a very short amount of time. Um, I think God is, that's what God loves to do. God is the, our God is the God of miracles. Our God is a healer. Our God is the God of breakthrough. Our God is the God of transformation, restoration. These are all really big words. But they're words that are easy for him. And they're things that he loves to do. And I am excited and more expectant than ever when I look at our world right now and I think about rebuilding our city and I think about being on mission to make every story matter. This is who we are as a church. And this is who God has called us to be as people who love and follow him. You know, and and, um, I want to make sure that as we're on mission that we have our eyes on the prize and that we know, like, hey, we've got each other's back in this. You know, like we've got each other's back. And so when you do invite that person, but you're also on a serve team and you can't sit with them, send a text to the other people you know that might be on the host team and say, hey, this person is coming. Can you guys be on the lookout um, and, and make plans for them to sit with them? There is a team here that together we can really help people come in contact with the Savior of the world. Um, and I love, I, th- I think I'm going to say it wrong, Courtney, but it's that phrase. I think Pastor Jess has said it before. No, I know you've repeated it or said it. Maybe it was you. It's our job to set the table. It's our job to, like, prepare the table. Yeah. And people come in, and they get to meet Jesus who changes their life forever. Um, But let's not forget that preparing the table is important, you know. Um, Just like Nehemiah, you know, just serving the king as cups. And devastated to hear the news of what's going on in his city and was so moved and prayed such big prayers that when he had an opportunity to talk to the king and the king wanted to know what was wrong, his question wasn't small. His question was, can I go rebuild my city? That is just mind-blowing and powerful. And it just makes me think of all the things we run on as a church, too. Um, I don't think there's much that you can't draw back to those things because it's who we are. It's our, it is our jersey. It's our culture. It's our environment. It's how we lead. Um, but, again, allow these things to bleed over into our everyday lives because in those spaces and places, God wants to use us to reach our world. And so um, believing the best in every, every person. Seeing the answer in every problem. Being willing to listen and hear someone's story and not just overlook it. I think some of the best people in the world at this are Pastor Adrian and Courtney. I'm not sure if there's been a moment when we're out that I haven't found them at some point in a deep conversation with a stranger. Incredible, you guys. That's being on mission. That's who we're called to be is to listen, learn, Be there for people and point people to Jesus and not be ashamed or afraid of that. And I'm looking in this room and I just see leadership on leadership on leadership from every single person in this room. And I just wonder what would happen if we awakened those deepest parts of us and we weren't just so caught up in our day-to-day and the things that we wanted to do and the things that we needed to get done that we forgot who God ultimately called us to be. Because everything we see right now will be gone one day. And the only thing that we can take with us to heaven are people. And the only thing, like, those are the things that have eternal weight and eternal value. And let's make sure we invite God into our hearts to wake those pieces of us up if they're asleep. Yeah. And to just say, God, like, I don't want to see the world normal anymore. I don't want to just see brokenness and walk right past it. I don't just want to see tension and let it be. I want, I want to know what you want me to do when those moments come. And I think when we start asking God those questions, you're going to start seeing things differently. And you're going to start, he will, he will be, God is faithful. Yeah. And he will use you in those moments. Absolutely. Every single time. And I don't know what stops everybody else. But I know the things that have stopped me before is just wondering if I'm qualified. Yeah. Yes. And so if that's the thing that's stopping you... Um, I would like to put on the table, again, I don't know Nehemiah, but I am pretty certain he wasn't like a professional wall builder. He was a cupbearer. I don't think he went to school to build walls. I don't think he was an engineer. I think he was a cupbearer who had a passion and a heart for his city and for what God was calling him to do. And he went after that with everything he had. And so if you're feeling unqualified or if those moments to you you're thinking like, I don't know that I'm going to say it exactly. I think Trust God and what he's called you to do and what he's called you to say in those moments. Because that is the thing that matters. Um, and you don't have to have an education for that. There is no course on, like, how to have awkward conversations with people in your world. It would be awesome <laughs> if there was. <laughs> there is, you know, and, and so just don't let that be the thing that stops you. Or if the thing that stops you is, like, they might already know. I know I've shared this story before, but I grew up in Bixby, and so it's not far from here. And I was so certain that everybody had always heard of Jesus. I did not assume. Literally, my assumption was that everyone had heard what I had heard because that was my framework. That was what I was functioning on. I was on a bus to a basketball game, and there's a boy I had known since second grade sitting behind me. And I heard, overheard the conversation because somebody was talking about Jesus, and the guy said, hey, who, wh- who is that? And the kid thought he was, like, being funny and, like, made fun of him for it and was laughing at him. And he was like, no, seriously, I know the name. Obviously, I hear it often, but no one's ever told me who this guy actually is. And his friend was, like, jaw-dropped and kind of like, uh, like where do I start, you know? Um, but I remember in that moment thinking, I don't want to assume that everyone knows this thing that I've known for my whole life almost because they might not. And so let's be the kind of leaders who are bold and courageous enough to think we can rebuild the city. Because I think that's what God's looking for. God can use a room like this. God wants to use this church. God is using this church. And there's so much more for us to do as we serve, as we learn, as we grow. Bring people along on the journey with you. And be unapologetic in your approach, approach to being who God has called you to be. Yeah. I love the way our pastors have led our team in these moments, you know, teaching us and showing us what it looks like to step right in, to show grace. That blows my mind, watching our pastors and the way they lead and the way they serve. I've seen it time and time again from the platform and way, way, way behind the scenes that no one will ever know about. It's the exact same. I've seen it on both sides. I want to be like that I want to be in those moments and not be afraid to step in and not be afraid to say, like, you know what? God can totally turn this around. God can do something miraculous right here. God can totally change an entire city. And the way, I believe it in my whole heart, too, that God's doing something in our city right now. God is. He is up to something. And our church has a voice in it. And that means you and I have a voice in it. And so as we serve, let's be bold enough to pray the big prayers. And to ask God for the help. And let's not disqualify ourselves because we don't feel like we're the ones. God has called you and you are the one. We are the ones. We are on mission together. And as we go, to just take comfort in the fact that you've got a team that has your back. You know, you're not doing this alone. If you ever have questions, you can call any one of us at any time and ask. If we don't know, we'll find the answer. Because there are moments that we don't know. <laughs> But we can talk about it and find an answer. You know, there is, no, there is no wrong question. There is no stupid question. I think the biggest miss here would be if we don't try. The biggest miss for you would be if you just continually think you're, you're not good enough or you're not called or it can't be you. Because I'm telling you right now, that's not true. That's not true. When I moved here, I thought I had no clue who I was, first of all, or where I was going but I did not imagine this life for myself. I didn't imagine meeting my husband and getting married and being a pastor on staff one day. It was like a deep dream somewhere down in my heart that I thought, could I be someone that God would use like that? Could it be true? I don't, I don't know. if it, I don't know. I don't know. It absolutely is. Every dream that I had before that was about traveling the world and seeing these places. I have been able to touch more corners of this world just by being planted in this church than I ever could have if I would have tried to do that on my own. And so if you can plant yourself, if you can root yourself, if you can surrender your dreams and your desires, if you can choose to let God move and use you in any way, keep asking those questions and keep allowing him to use you, I think it's going to be pretty incredible to see what happens in our city and around the world. It's already happening. Um, Just listening to the stories that happen in our church is a constant reminder for me of how huge our God is. um, Because he meets us in every space and everywhere we go. Um, And I would highly encourage you to read Nehemiah because it inspired me this week. Um, to not, first of all, to trust your team, to be okay with being a part of a team, to know that a team is healthy and necessary, um, to be a part of solutions in a team, because uh, I would imagine there were probably hundreds of different ideas, but imagine trying to organize that many people building a wall, and they were using one hand and, like, holding a sword in the other, I mean, just imagine, there were probably a thousand different methods, To get it done, but what they did know, and I'm just reading between the lines here, again, not a Bible scholar, just just is the things that inspired me because I'm thinking about teamwork, and I'm like, this seems like a logistical nightmare. But there were probably hundreds of different ways you could have done that. But what they didn't care about was that as much as they cared about, like, we're on mission here, let's get this done, this is gonna work. And we're we're protected on all sides, and we've got a plan. I think sometimes we get so tripped up on the small stuff that those become the biggest argument, and God's over here, like, hey what about the lives changing <laughs> like like this part is important sure but like over here like let's just keep our eyes on the prize i think if we focused more on those things and kept our eyes on jesus a lot of those decisions would get a lot smoother does that make sense hopefully that makes sense i know as a leader sometimes you're hearing like hundreds of different ways that you can do things and all of them are usually decent ideas sometimes some aren't going to work right now for certain reasons and sometimes You know, we've already tried that, and it just blew up, and so we're not going to try that again. You know, we all know those things. But teamwork and the ideas and just keeping our eyes on the prize is what keeps our hearts in check. You know, like there are times on a team when I'm like, like especially in soccer, if any of you played soccer, there's not really plays. Sometimes there's like structure, but you don't call plays like you do in basketball. Basketball might be a better example. Soccer is just my favorite. (laughs) Uh, But basketball, you call plays all the time. There are times as as a point guard, like I played, we were basically the quarterback of a basketball team, that I was thinking in my head, I don't really want to call this play. But the coach called the play, I'm going to run the play. And I'm going to modify and I'm going to make, like you don't just run the play and stop because someone guarded you. You keep moving to get open. And that was, that, I think that's good for us, too. Like, let's just move. Like, we know who God's called us to be. Let's keep moving. We're on a mission to make every story matter. That's what I'm doing. Okay, I'm a little bit blocked right here, so I'm going to keep moving until I can get open and someone can pass me the ball. But I'm not down and out just because that one moment didn't work. I'm going to keep going because my teammates are still in the game. And I know God's called me to it, so I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to put myself on the bench just because it didn't work out one time. I'm not going to put myself on the bench because someone else might be faster than me. I know who God's called me to be, and so I'm going to keep going because my teammates are out there and they need me. And so we need you. We need you. And don't give up. Um, Yeah, teamwork and ultimately remembering the thing you're a part of is bigger than the part that you play. is so vital for us as a church and as a team as we move forward. Because I know for me, like if Randall and I have talked about this, we made this resolve in our hearts, and I would encourage you to do the same um, in the way that works for you in your life. But Randall and I, when we got married, we were already here, we were already planted. But when we got married, you know, marriage, your life kind of shifts and you get, you know, your life together. You were two separate people, now you're one. Big deal. It's a big deal. Um, And we made a resolve in our heart again we will not be moved. We are called to serve here. This is where we are planted. It wasn't because we were being pushed or pressed or there was anything bad happening. We just made a resolve in our hearts because we saw that from our pastors and their leadership. And so when we made that resolve in our heart, you couldn't move us if you tried. You could take away our title. We don't care. I'm not going anywhere. Because who God has called us to be and and we listen to his voice, we are here. I'll clean the bathrooms again for the next six years. If it means I'm going to keep moving and pushing the kingdom of heaven forward here because that's what God has called me to do. And I think that kind of resolve is inspiring and I think that's probably part of why Nehemiah had such a large team is because he had a resolve in his heart to do what God had called him to do and he was going to do it at all costs. And that inspires people. Because I think deep down this is the way God made us. We all desire community. We all desire to be a part of something, right? Like I don't know many people that would say I don't want to change the world. I don't know many people who would say, I don't want to be a part of something epic. I think we all are hardwired for that um, because of the way God designed us and made us to some degree. And so make sure that you're not shy about bringing people with you because it's going to change everything when we do. So that is all I have. Um, Let's pray. I'm not sure what time it was. I was looking for my phone, but it was blocked by my coffee. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Again, take this Take this to people you know. Share this with, if you're married, share it with your spouse. If you're single, share it with your besties. If you're whoever, it doesn't matter, married. I don't know why I'm highlighting these things. Just share it with somebody. Um, share it with your baby boy, you know. Teach them about it, Tori. You've got this. Uh, but let's make sure we take this to someone. And then let's. I know I've been guilty of this with these moments, when we hear these encouraging messages, when we hear this leadership, these little nuggets, things that we can apply to every area of our life. I've been really guilty of not implementing. I've been guilty of taking it in and thinking, this is great, but not implementing it and using it. I want to change that for myself, and so I just wanted to share that with you. I encourage you, find a way to implement one of these things, whether it's just inviting someone to church, talking to someone you know about church. Um, Even if it's a baby step, I would encourage you to do it, to just take a step. Invite someone along. Have a conversation with someone you love. Uh, There's a lot going on in our world right now. Listen to someone. Ask someone to share their story with you. You know, just take a step in the direction of learning, listening, growing, and implementing what God is is, um, giving us here. Uh, And I'm excited for Sunday, too. It's our second Sunday of being open. In the building, Um, invite someone to church. Invite someone to church. Invite people to come. If they don't want to come, invite them to watch online. Um, And uh, if you're going to be here in the building, get ready to serve and love people like never before. Um, Meeting people where they're at. People are coming in exhausted. I don't know about you guys, but quarantine has been rough for a lot of people. (laughs) We're coming out of quarantine with funky haircuts. But we're also, also coming out of quarantine, I think, with some funky spirit. You know, I think there's some things that a lot of people have been working through because we've been alone for too long. And so I'm just saying, be the one who reaches out and just love someone. And, and let's, let's be bold about that and, and not be shy about that because I think people are looking for answers right now. I think people want to know what they're supposed to do right now. I think people are looking for someone to say, like, because they're so exhausted and tired, they're like, someone just tell me. <laughs> someone just tell me. So uh, let's be that on Sunday. Um, But also, let's be that. What's today? Thursday? Until then, you know, love on people. Okay? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, your love and your grace that extends past any of our own ability. Um, We're so aware of the fact that in you we find actual strength and true strength. It's not about what we can do. It's not about what I can do. It's about your spirit, your love, your grace, your mercy moving through us. And so I pray, God, that as a church right now you would help us as leaders Um, to be hungry for more of you and less of us. God, that you would use us in every little corner of our city. Father, that, that when we're in conversations, that it would just be right there. God, at the tip of our mind, just ready to encourage someone, ready to be your life, your love, your grace to somebody. God, I pray that you would help us to see with your eyes that you would bring people in contact with us, God, who need you. And I pray when those moments happen, you give us the courage to step into it because of who you are, not because of who we are. And, God, I just pray that you would help us no longer to second guess if we're qualified or if we're good enough or if we're able. But, God, you would help us to remember it's you, it's Christ in us, God, that gives us the strength, that gives us the ability. And I pray, God, that you would help us to remember that in all circumstances, in every single moment. And, God, I pray that people would come to this church, that people would be drawn to this church who need more of your spirit, who need more of your love. God, I pray that people would walk in our doors who actually have no idea how they got here but they would walk in and and they would meet with you face-to-face. And God, I pray that our worship would be transformative for people, that they would see an expressive church who's not afraid to worship with all that we have and that they would feel comfortable enough to know that they can engage how, how they feel comfortable. God, I pray that people, when they're listening to the message on Sunday, would feel so encouraged and inspired that the best really is yet to come. It might not be good right now, but you're not done yet. And I pray that people who are walking in thinking that they're great and that everything's fine, would just be humbled and remember that you still have your best ahead for them too. That maybe even though things are great, they still haven't seen the best days. And so I pray, God, that you would give us all a lens that's focused on heaven and that you would unify this church and unify this team to move in strength because of who you are, that we would no longer try and just do things on our own and muscle through, but that we would always be looking to to bring someone along on the journey with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, we hope this message has pushed you forward in your leadership and your relationship with God. We can't wait to see you this Sunday or in a connect group. Have an amazing week. We'll see you then.